Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of the F1 Show for coverage of the 2009 Bahrain Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and I'm pleased to report that yet again, for the second week in a row, we don't have too many um, post-race shenanigans with the FIA or penalties or anything like that. Luckily, the racing has been on track and the results have, have been good, so I'm just want to get that out of the box uh we're pleased to report that's the case absolutely and uh i also i want to apologize for the second week in a row i have not done an intro uh, i had finals this week so i promise i'll have one next time so sorry for that for the people that like it and for the people that don't like it you're welcome there you go um so anyway uh let's see what we have this year we it's it, it's been a little bit less uh, hectic uh during the week uh after the last race um but We've been getting some news about a new entrance into the Formula One season next year. Yes, um, there's been talk because of the um, homologation of, of the you know the aerodynamic rules um, and and the engine rules and everything else being really limited, uh, the off track testing being really limited, um, and actually talks of a potentially an entire budget cap where no teams can spend more than some set number of euros or and dollars. It's very tight, like um, fifty million dollars. Yeah. Or something. Um, that opens the door for a lot of teams which previously couldn't afford Formula One. Most notably, in my book, is ProDrive. Um, and if you remember, David Richard, CEO of ProDrive, um, and he was involved with BAR Honda and, uh, and I think with, involved with Toyota as well. Some, or, not, or no, that was uh, Mike Gascoigne, never mind. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he's with Honda and all that. He, yeah, he, and he, he was the mastermind behind uh, Button's 2004 uh, slew of podiums. Yeah. Uh, for BAR and so uh, he runs ProDrive and right. he and he was actually on the list to be in the 2008. He 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 applied and was granted you know constructor status for uh, um, or it was going to be as a customer car. But then the rules about customer cars yeah. were really unclear. He wanted to buy cars from McLaren. Yes, and that didn't quite work out. Yeah, so he he was actually on the list. So he's you know of, of all the people that have talked about it, you know he's real serious about it. And uh, you know they say they're just they're, if the rules come out to be favorable and the and the the um, what do you say? The commercial conditions are favorable, meaning the economy and everything else, and what his business is doing. Um, they could come back, and uh, ProDrive also owns Aston Martin now, yeah. um, which could be interesting. It could actually be an Aston Martin branded team, but if they're buying engines and stuff, they may not want to do that. But yeah, there was some knows. talk of racing as Aston Martin F1, which would be kind of uh, interesting. Screw it. Put the four liter. V8 that they've had for years. And yeah. Years, well, it's kind of like Spiker. I mean, the Spiker F1 car had absolutely nothing to do with the Spiker road cars, but it was just for sort of brand name kind of yeah. cachet. And it didn't last very long. Yeah, that, uh, was, also, that was also terrible. <laughs> <laughs> ProDrive is not the only one talking about it. Also, Lola, and I'm sure everyone that listens to us in the UK knows who Lola is, but for those who don't, Lola is uh, very famous here in the States, actually, because they built a whole bunch of winning champ cars. And uh, they've done a whole bunch of different racing. They also build the uh, Acura's ALMS cars. Yeah, they build uh, Le Mans series cars. And uh, they build quite a lot of race cars. Yeah, they do uh, Daytona prototypes as well. I mean, they build a lot of different kinds of sports cars and race cars. I don't know if they do. Okay, I I think there's a Lola chassis there, but I'm not. I mean, I guess that one's a little bit out of my my, uh, price range. Either way, um, so they could also, as you know, they would buy engines. Um, There's some talk because. 
the uh, owner of, of, of Lola, Martin uh, Barain, or Baran, I'm not sure how to say his name, um, he's Irish, and uh, right now A1GP driver Adam Carroll um, is leading the uh, A1GP with Team Ireland. Um, it's, a, it's sort of a natural fit for potentially driving for a new Lola team, so uh, that could be a good step up for him from A1GP. Um, Adam, Adam Carroll doing a doing really, you know, brilliant job in A1. And this is, of course, on top of U.S. Uh, GPE. Uh, yep, wanting to get into things 2010. I With think Peter Windsor, yeah. I think Peter Windsor and uh, yeah, I think they're a little bit more solid. I think they're pretty much going to be in the in the Formula One World Championship in 2010. These guys are just talking about it. So there's going to be like 30 cars. It's going to be sweet. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm excited. I think I was cool when there were 22 cars when Super Aguri was in it. Yeah. Uh, and and you know this this could be really sweet. Um, to and you know. Uh, 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 we are still willing to buy the Super Aguri F1 team for the right price. Oh yeah, we're so, still you know if the commercial conditions are, are, are yes, right, yes. that that could that could work. That could happen. Uh, and then also, you said so there's something going on with Donington Park, Jim. Yes, um, and that's where, as as we may recall, there was a big hubbub over um, the British Grand Prix for 2010. <laughs> um, for 2009, it's going to be at Silverstone again, but for 2010, um, it's supposedly going to be at Donington Park, and they've start and which is a much much smaller racetrack. Um, you know, Silverstone has a lot well, of, and it's very not Silverstoney. Yeah, I mean, Silverstone's had a lot of work put into. Um, just you know the whole new pit complex or paddock area um, and, and a whole bunch of new work and, and the access is, is an issue there I mean you know there's only a couple of country roads that get to it um, I've never actually been to Donington Park unfortunately so I couldn't say how if, if it's closer to any major airports or anything like that sure, but sure. Um, it's a much smaller track and I know a lot of people uh, were just really you know surprised that they would actually move it to Donington Park when when there is Silverstone right there it just seems like a like a pissing contest though between Bernie Ecclestone and the Oh shoot! What's the British Car Club? Uh, what's the title? The BRDC, yeah, the British BRDC, Racing Drivers yeah. Club, yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it just seems like uh, Ecclestone just wants to prove that he's the boss and he can do whatever he wants. It doesn't seem to make any logical sense to to move the race. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. So what the actual uh, threat is right now, or there's a you know there's questions about it, and it's the organizers of the race suing the actual the circuit, you know, the venue, um, saying they're not holding up their end of financial obligations, and I'm not sure um, the, the details aren't really out on that yet that I've found, um, to say if that's into the renovations, if they're not spending the money they said that they would. Um, I mean, you can imagine um, all these deals were, were set up long before the, you know, world economy sort of fell apart, sure. so if they're, you know, spending less money, there's a pretty obvious reason why, but um, the big fear is that um, they won't, Donington Park will not be ready in time to actually be on the calendar, and if they don't have everything up to, up to snuff for you know FIA Formula One standards, um, that, the, that there would not be a British Grand Prix, which is in the original complaint of Silverstone, anyway. Yeah, and I mean, no British Grand Prix is just that's. I mean, no U.S. Grand Prix was was a, a bad deal, and no Canadian Grand Prix, you know, that that really sucks. But, but, but half British the teams Grand Prix. Are based in I mean, Britain, come on, man. yeah, there are teams based at Silverstone. You know, Force India is right there. That's where their complex is, and you know, all the other teams are like within a half hour. You know, if you go over to McLaren or or you know or Braun Williams, or yeah, I mean, yeah. all these all these companies are based around there. You didn't a say lot. Ferrari, did you? No. Okay. What I say? I don't know. No, I, didn't say I just hope you didn't say Ferrari. They're, obviously, they're not English. Okay. Um, I'm just making sure. Come on now. Maybe stupid, but I'm not that stupid. Um, I mean, clearly they're from France. So, um, they, so there has. I mean, there has to be a British Grand Prix. They're, they're, that's just crazy. If uh, if they you know if they can't get it ready in time, and this is really kind of the the, the sad you know reality um, with 
everything has changed in, in you know world business and, and all these banks and investments and everything else that uh, if that falls off the calendar that would just be I just think it really, you know really sad so hopefully and, they can and, get and, that sorted out and totally unnecessary yeah it's so stupid when Silverstone is right there and like ready to go right so hopefully this doesn't fall victim to just political nonsense and power struggles and all that um, so. We'll leave it at that for now, and we'll let yes. you know if anything changes. On to more relevant power struggles, and that's the power struggles of uh, Mercedes versus Renault versus Ferrari and uh, qualifying. Yes. So the early – I mean the, the big names out of qualifying early on, um, well, Mark Webber, 19th. Yeah. And that was due to he was on a, he was on a good lap and actually was held up by Adrian Sutil and we saw in a big way. Yeah, we saw the move um and it was one of those where Sutil was on a cool down lap and he tried to get out of the way. He went one way and then Mark Webber went the other way and it was kind yeah. of a uh, it, it I don't I mean I don't it think doesn't, it, yeah, at first glance it almost looked like Sutil was blocking Webber, but then once you really take a look at it, it just looked like Sutil was trying to get out of the way. Maybe noticed Weber kind of on the late side, just kind of on a weird, awkward and, spot. Yeah. yeah, and Weber tried to go one way instead of the other, and just bad set of circumstances. So Sutil was penalized five grid spots for doing that, um, but that's still. I mean, Mark Weber still had to start second to last, which is really too bad considering how well he performed just a week ago. Um, so you know, Mark Weber nineteenth uh, qualified nineteenth, um, but then in Q two, the BMW Sauber's both BMWs out in Q two. Um, with Kubica in 13th and Nick Heidfeld 14th. I mean, talk about a dismal weekend. Um, and they know, the team The team has said, you know, just they don't have, they're having a whole aerodynamic upgrade, a whole new aero package, they say, for uh, Spain. So they sort of said, yeah, we knew this weekend was going to be tough. But, man, that sucks to be, you know, one of the top teams, um, or previously one of the top teams, and they're 13th and 14th. Yeah, absolutely. Heike Kovalainen uh, ended up 11th, uh, just barely got bumped out of uh, the third qualifying session. And... Uh, you know, an un- unusual name at the top, though, this time. Yeah, it was, uh, well, <laughs> the top two were uh, Toyotas. Yeah, we had Yarno Truly taking the pole. Which was big, man. Toyota, for freaking, that's that's great. I've been a, I was a Toyota fan for a long time until Hamilton kind of came on the scene. I was really, you know, into Toyota, and um, it's great to see them do a pole. I mean, the last pole position for Toyota was Yarno Truly at the 2005 uh, U.S. Yeah, Grand Prix. USGP, and that, uh, was, that was just an absolute... Totally light on fuel, running on fuel. Yeah, that was kind of an unrealistic, like, just we want to get our name out there in the media as on right. pole. That ended up being the race where none of the Michelin cars uh, ran, and there was only six cars in the race, and it was that was that whole debacle. Yeah. Um, so it didn't end up, you know, they obviously couldn't make anything out of it because uh, there was that whole situation. So this was, you know, starting 1-2, a really good opportunity to do well in the race, and uh, you'll find out shortly how, how they made that, how, you know, what they made out of that uh out of that position. Hey, real quick, Jim, uh, according to what I've read here, that uh, Sutil lost three grid positions. Oh, lost three. Five, okay. And ended up, he ended up in 19th place uh, for losing three okay. grid positions. Excellent. So, just a quick correction there. <clears throat> However, in third place in qualifying was the quite young Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, just another really good performance from him. Um, and, and, you know, the Toyotas do have that trick diffusers. The Red Bulls do not. And but the Red Bull just has that trick car. The Red I mean, Bull is thing. just whole, yeah. That Adrian Newey car tricks, yeah. is is great, and, and it uh, looks. It, I mean, the Adrian Newey cars always look different from the others. Yeah. And right now they've got that you know that straight panel, you know that vertical panel coming off the engine cover that goes straight back and goes right into the middle of the rear wing. Yep. And uh, it, it looks and the, and the rear yeah, wing, the rear wing yeah. that goes down into the diffuser. The rear wing supports, yeah, that are that go straight top to bottom vertically of the car. I mean, it's really a pretty radical design. And then and then the front that's kind of got this. 
almost duckbill uh, look to it that's uh, pretty different from the other cars. So yep. there's yeah, there's a lot going on in that car. But what what it does not have is a diffuser. Um, you know the the, the same deep diffuser that the uh, that the other cars have it does have a diffuser but not the not the trick one um but anyway so yeah sebastian vettel in in third um obviously doing much better than his uh teammate in 19th um yes. jensen button in the brawn though even you know yeah that was the best brawn could do yeah this it time was round. fourth spot um uh then you know hamilton in fifth did you know solid job for hamilton um yeah that that was a surprise to see the mclaren uh qualify that well and good i mean you know we were you know we're uh, not. We don't want to see Hamilton struggle, you know, more than anybody else. And you know, it's it's great to see new teams up the front, but you don't want to see the old teams lagging that far behind. So that right. was it was encouraging to see Lewis be able to pull that off. Yes, so that was good. Good job for him. Um, McLarens were running curves, um, which was a big advantage on this track. I mean, there's a lot of there's, there's some tight corners, but there's quite a few straight areas. There's not a not as many fast flowing kind of corners. So curves really did seem to be a pretty good advantage on this track with a number of straightaways. They could that, yeah they could either make some good passes with the curves cars or prevent themselves from getting past. Uh, Absolutely, a lot of the curves cars did a good job, and the McLarens did you know both did run curves this weekend. And he was followed by uh, Rubens Barrichello. Oh, you know, who's, you know, pretty typical. He was a few tenths behind Button in qualifying. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Six. And then seventh place went to Fernando Alonso uh, in the Renault. And uh, let's see. Where did his teammate qualify? Yeah, 15th. Um, <laughs> uh, eighth place went to uh, Ferrari, Felipe Massa. Uh, ninth place. Here we go again. Nico Rosberg in ninth. Now, Nico was really heavy on fuel. Yes. But again, I mean, they're... They're not showing their speed at the right time, Williams. Right, and they do have the trick diffuser as well. And you know they ended up ninth and uh, and with Kaz Nakajima in twelfth. I mean it was you know not not a brilliant performance. Uh, and another non non brilliant performance was Kimi Raikkonen in tenth. Tenth place for last Ferrari, of, but, last of the Q three runners. But both Ferraris made it to Q three. That's something. That's that's that's, that's good. And, that they, is, and they both were running curves too. That is not nothing. So yes. you know there you have it. So that's qualifying, and uh, let's get into the race. For the first time in 2009, Jensen Button actually takes the checkered flag and wins the Bahrain Grand Prix under green flag conditions. That makes three wins and four tries for the 29-year-old Brit this season firmly placing him as the lead driver of the Braun GP squad. Spunky Sebastian Vettel finished 7 seconds behind in 2nd place, a good finish to complement last week's win. And it was Jim's first love, Yarno Trulli, that made it to the final step of the podium, the best result for Toyota of the 2009 season. Lewis Hamilton made good use of Kerr's and large amounts of natural talent to finish 4th for McLaren, miles ahead of teammate Kovalainen literally mine. He was followed by Rubens Barrichello, the only driver who intentionally tried a three-stop strategy to minimize time on the medium tire. It didn't quite work out. Sixth place went to, wait for it, Kimi Raikkonen! Hey! Yes, Ferrari is on the board. Even better, Raikkonen raced well today. And, despite leading the race on the first lap, Toyota driver Timo Glock only mustered seven. He was not tough to bit. Behind him came the only Renault that matters, Fernando Alonso, collecting a point for eighth. Jim, is Jensen Button going to be world champion? 
the odds all say yes, and <laughs> I can't I can't argue with the odds on this one, man. I mean, we know we talked about Hamilton doing really well. I, we talked about you know results from Toyota and all that, but I just I can't get over the squandered opportunity that, of Toyota. I mean, they started first and second. That should be the best uh, the best position. I mean, you can't do any better than that for no. uh, for winning a race where you can you you know have one of the guys that's a bit lighter take off and just really put in some rocket lap times. Have the second guy hold back the field a little bit and slow down the other guys that need to be fast. You know, that's that's sort of classic you know Schumacher Barrichello kind of stuff. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but. That that unfortunately just did not happen. I mean, the Toyotas actually got a reasonable start, but then even just through the first couple of corners, um, a combination of not having curves, a combination of some unlucky moves and some different things, um, they just started to fall back through the order and, uh, well, took off well in the beginning, but then in the pit stops, um, you know, just Jensen was just flying. I mean, Jensen was um, just really, really fast, and by the time they'd done a, a pit rotation, um, Timo Glock was back in eighth or something, and uh, and then and then Jens, uh, and then Yarno came back in sixth, and they just weren't able to to keep up. I mean, uh, Yarno went to the medium tires, which were the, the harder of the two, um, which turned out to really be like second a lap slower than the other cars, and uh, just couldn't make up the time. So it it looked really strong. I was really excited that this may be finally Toyota's first win in Formula One after so many tries, and this is you know they're in the best spot to do it, and it's too bad they just could not make that happen. Yeah, for some, for me, this race was really uh, the engineering race. It was a race of strategy. It was a race of properly planning and having the best uh, uh, best ideas of how to deal with the tires and the fuel loads and everything else. Uh, aside from the uh, the first couple of lap uh, uh, excitement, which was excitement and I think uh, played a major part in Buttons winning the race. Um, uh, after that, it was all down to who had the best plan for handling the difference between the medium tire and the super soft tire, and who had the right amount of fuel on the car to get distance versus you know weighing the car down. Yes, and I think Toyota just got that strategy wrong more than anything else because their plan was they started the race on the super softs and then did a nice long stint on the medium tire, the harder, slower tire. And so there's just this big hunk of the race that allowed uh, Vettel and Button to just clock in lap after lap uh, on the on the softer, stickier tire and just pull away. And even, yeah, and McLaren and Lewis Hamilton doing a good job in that middle Absolutely, stand as well. Absolutely, the same yeah. thing. And uh, the only thing I can think of, uh, uh, other than Toyota just, you know, just screwing the pooch on this, was maybe their car doesn't wear well on those uh, super softs and uh, um, and they degrade real bad. Maybe they grain real bad on Toyota. Yeah, because we've, we've talked about that the, the tire compounds are much more different than they used to be, which definitely made for some interesting racing. And, and which finally... We, which we love. I yeah, mean, we and finally you can it. tell the difference. Um, you know, it used to be even last year when they were only, um, you know, from the super soft to the soft, only kind of one step apart in terms of the hardness versus grip. Couple um, three-tenths. You really couldn't tell if one guy was on one, another guy was on another. It didn't make a dramatic difference. It wasn't enough that couldn't be explained by, you know, tra- the track rubbering in, the changes in temperature, the changes in traffic. Right, right. But this time it's a dramatic difference, and unfortunately Toyota got that got that wrong with just kind of the plan and how long they uh, how long they ran. And, and you might be right as far as they wanted to spend more time on the mediums because their car just ran through the super softs too fast. Um, it was a really hot race. Um, but finally, I mean, we had a race where there's not, you know, rain's not a factor. You right, know, they, right. they, there wasn't chance of showers. It didn't, because those, when, when the rain, you know, when the rain falls, it, it doesn't throw the strategy out the window. It's kind of a, just a whole different strategy. It just changes everything. And it's great racing. It's just that it makes it a little bit harder to figure out 
who has the best car, who had the best strategy, that kind of thing. And it's not about who was planning the best. It's kind of who can think on their feet the best yeah. and deal with the changing conditions. Sure, and sure. this was a more and, and classic. And it's more of a driver's, yeah. of a driver's race at that point too. So this this gave the uh, the engineers a chance to flex their muscles a little bit, and you know, and that being said, I mean one of the uh, highlights of the Braun car that's been repeated over and over is that they're easy on tires, and for a place like Bahrain where it's really hot, I mean the track temperature was 122 degrees. I don't know, that's right around 50 50 degrees Celsius, right? And uh, air temperature is right around 100 degrees. It, you know, a car that's easy on tires is is very important. That's a huge advantage, yeah. And, and uh, Jensen Button, what a drive today! I think he was brilliant. I mean, he started fourth. Mm-hmm. He he raced well. He got um, he got around Vettel, but then got passed by Hamilton. But then in two laps, passed Hamilton back in great racing, despite the fact that Hamilton had Kurz going down the long front straight into turn one. Button still got around him under braking and took off. And Button never put a wheel wrong, kept his cool, you know, and uh, and went ahead and, and won the race. Vettel, who ended up finishing second, was very confident, and so was Sam Hornish, uh, you know, team principal of Red Bull, uh, that they had the race strategy to win the race. Yeah, they were quite a bit heavier. Well, 11 kilos heavier, not <laughs> not huge amount, but relatively, but They yeah. had more fuel, and they were confident with what they were doing. But because Button was able to get the early passes done like he did and get some good clean track that Vettel wasn't able to do, it just didn't pan out, and Vettel had to settle for second. Yeah, because Vettel was behind Truly for a long time, and that was slowing him down, but it wasn't fast enough to get around and make a move. So that you know there was definitely a train of cars for a while there that Truly was leading, and Button was in front of that. So it was a Truly train. <laughs> as, as it were, yeah. So uh, yeah, Button was able to just take off and, and, and get the lap times down. So that's really kind of what, what lost it for Vettel, I think, was his inability to get around Truly. Um, but yeah, it turns out, I mean, and Sebastian Vettel was, was kind of cocky about this on the, on the podium for qualifying, when he says, oh, yeah, you know, Toyotas are first and second, sure, but we're in great shape for tomorrow. They're going to pit first. And yeah, turns out that was true. Vettel actually likes to needle people a little bit, I've noticed. Yeah, he's got it's this. It's all in good nature, but he, he's a needler. He, he's got this kind of little friendly jab, literal jab thing yeah, going. a couple of literal jabs. We, uh, Jim and I, have this uh, theory going on that two or three races more into it, and Vettel's just going to start punching people in the face. In, in a friendly way. In a friendly way. But, yeah, that may cause problems. Um, but there, okay, so there was some drama though in uh, in turn one, lap one. Uh, the the first couple turns of this track are, are sort of, I think the broadcasters here called it needlessly tricky. There's uh, which you know, to me sounds abundantly stupid. Which kind of sounds crazy? Yeah, I mean it is it is what it is. All the drivers have it. It's not like oh, this is unnecessarily tricky. It's like that's the circuit. You know, it's, it's not like it turns left and then turns up. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it, it's not like it's, a double decker thing, or there's, right. a, there's an island in the middle, and you got to choose a side. There's not a figure eight that yeah. you have to. That would you know, be needlessly tricky. Yeah, this, this, this is not needlessly tricky. This is just a, there's some some corners to it. Um, Nick Heidfeld was just uh, horrible. Uh, just came out horrible in this whole thing. Um, had some contact. Had to had to pit and get a new front wing, um, and went to dead last and pretty much stayed there for the you know for the remainder of the race. Um, Kaz Nakajima also had some. Uh, had you know was was involved in that uh, and Felipe Massa had had, his, had to pit yeah and and Massa had just a tiny little corner of his of his wing torn off after 
it was Kimi Raikkonen that actually bumped. Yep. It was his teammate Kimi Raikkonen passing him on the outside that bumped his front wing. Yeah, well, and, uh, Massa kind of got sandwiched between a couple yeah. of cars. I mean, they were going three wide. Yeah, they were, they were going three wide into a corner, and something had to give, and it turned out to be Massa's front wing. So yeah. he, had to, he had to pit and get that changed, and it sent him uh, down to about 17th. And he worked his way up a little bit, but not, not enough for, for any points or anything. He ended yeah. up a lap down. So... Um, actually, only one retirement from the race too, and that was Kaz Nakajima uh, near, near the end. Actually, only you know ten laps to go for from, oil pressure. Yeah, lost oil pressure evidently, and just kind of parked the car and uh, in the Which, pits. You know, quite quite impressive actually that nineteen cars finished this race, considering the hecticness of the first lap and considering the heat and everything else. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Well, and and keep in mind these are uh, being the fourth round. Uh, presumably, most of the cars were on their second. Uh, so most of the engines were on their second race. And most of the gearboxes, uh, most of the teams are still on the original gearboxes. Uh, but also, I mean, we did have wet races, so, um, you know, previously. Yeah. So the engines wouldn't have been stressed as much. I mean, they're not using full revs. They're not pounding it so hard. They had yeah, a bunch yeah, of laps on the safety the car. amount of heat put in. Yeah, that so, sure. you know, that's, it's, it's a little bit less of a surprise. But still, uh, engineering-wise, a pretty good feat to have no engine blow-ups, no gearbox failures. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were some electrical gremlins that Toyota had to work out early in the early in the weekend, and they were able to sort that out, of course. So uh, all the reliability folks give yourselves a pat on the back. Yeah. Yeah, well done there. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good race for Button, a good race for Vettel, uh, a, a reasonable race for Truly, not so bad. Uh, not so good for Glock. Yeah, Timo Glock um, just... You know, he, he started well. He well, he actually passed Truly. Um, you know, going into turn one or yeah, two he there, was leading the first lap, and in you know, and and I'm not sure quite why. If they, I mean, his pit stop didn't seem long, but when he took his pit stop, he came out in eighth um, after that, and just and was able to make a little bit of ground up. Uh, with, you know, cycling through the pits, but not not sizably. I mean, he it's like he was he had some pace on his own, but when it got into the real racy conditions with other cars and uh, and and whatnot, it just he didn't seem to have it today. So. Um, well, Glock was the first one that pitted, not for an issue. Right? Yeah, I mean, he was he, first pit for fuel. Yeah, he was. He he pitted quite early, and you know, and then went out the of his medium tires. The too. earlier you pit, the more, the more you're going to have uh, in terms of you know people passing you. The more you're going to have to yeah, everyone still know, fight back that type of thing. So it's uh, so even though you know, when Yarno uh, pitted after him, he ended up in sixth. You know, so there was already he you know truly passed him in the pits. Um, even with the same length pit stop and all that, right. the cars were just that much less bunched up. Exactly. And uh, so yeah, Glock started out really well and uh, you know ended up seventh. I mean, he got two points and that's that's solid. But uh, it was you know too bad they couldn't have done better than that. With you know it, it ended up looking like you know the Toyotas really did just kind of go light. Yeah, and we have to give credit to Lewis Hamilton. Absolutely. I mean, where was Kovalainen in this whole deal? You know what I mean? Kovalainen ended up finishing 12th. Finishing 12th after starting 11th. Hamilton yeah. finishes 4th. It's not the same thing. Yeah, and that's yeah. The, that's Hamilton's best result this season, actually, so far, was uh, was today. So, um, you know, well done for Hamilton. I think he made great use of the curves. Uh, he was a di- <laughs> difficult car to pass. And, uh, you know, he was, um, you know, at once he was passed by Truly, he, he couldn't get around. Um, for a while, and then you know he just he said you know he he never had a chance on Jensen. He just sort of said, um, you know, you know once he, he passed Jensen, he was there, but he's like you know I knew Jensen was going to pass me back and have it. And and once once Jensen got past Lewis, um, he just he just couldn't couldn't hang. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, considering I think I think 
what's happening is Hamilton is driving better than the car deserves, and Kovalainen is driving a little bit worse than the car deserves. So that's uh, that's how it is, and I think Hamilton's making the most of it. Uh, the other person I want to talk about uh, for personal reasons is Kimi Raikkonen. He's back. I mean, that was that's the Kimi Raikkonen I like. I saw the Kimi Raikkonen I like today. Yeah, there were some good moves. People. Yeah, he was aggressive. He was fast. He finished better than his teammate. He'd for get once. He'd get outbreaked into a corner, and he'd he'd pull around and maybe, you know get past the t- past the guy back. That's I mean, the there were there were some good really moments. Like. Yeah. So, so the theory is that uh, 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 Jim and I have a lot of theories. We today. have plenty of theories. <laughs> the theory is one of two things: either he's gone off of the ice cream and coke. So he's leaner and meaner, which or, is a possibility because you know the boss was there, Stefano uh, or Luca Devon Zemolo, the yeah. you know Fiat chairman Fiat was chairman, was there, and he's everyone's boss, and probably you know making sure everyone was doing the right things. The uh, the other possibility is that he actually had his coke and ice cream before he got in the car, so he was happy. So he had a good happy buzz, yeah, sugar nice buzz, good going. happy buzz, yeah. So, but either way, um, hey, yeah. By I mean, the way, did you notice that uh, Monticello actually showed up in a K car? Interesting. I wonder if that's going to mean anything. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Kimi Räikkönen actually did lead a lap of the race. Um, just He was shuffling through pit stops. He, he ended up being really yeah, he, quite well, heavy. Räikkönen was one of the heavy guys. Yep, and uh, it was one of the last guys to pit for fuel, and uh, that's the first lap led by a Ferrari in 09, and of course he only ended up, um, what did he end up, sixth, I think? Yeah, but... Yeah. Um, you know that's well done for Kimi to to hang in there and, and great driving with a full fuel load. I mean that's that's classic Kimi Räikkönen stuff. You yeah. know, but another guy that was heavy was Nico Rosberg. Mm-hmm. And this is a car, the Williams car. We talked about it in qualifying. They've got the they've got the good diffuser. They've got, you know, they had a they've got the Toyota got power tr- power plant. They've been fast on Friday. They've been fast Saturday morning all the time, and they just they're not turning it into anything. And he finished ninth today. I think I think Toyota's window of opportunity is closing fast because the other teams are going to start catching up. Vettel is getting into his stride at Red Bull. Uh, you know, Braun GP is not going away. McLaren and Ferrari are only going to improve and get tougher. Toyota is bound to figure this out sooner or later. Mark Webber will find a way to get around Adrian Sutil. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, Rosberg, when are you going to do this thing? I mean, I think his, he still has a possibility to do it, but, I mean, this is still one of the lower-funded teams, one of the – one of the smaller teams, I don't, I don't see where they're going to get the speed. Yeah, I mean, you remember it was actually Bahrain two years ago that um, was a vet, or, or Rosberg's introduction um, or his, you know, his 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 debut, his Formula One debut, and he was fastest lap of the race, and it was a big deal. Oh man, yeah. this is the new guy, whatever, and he just it hasn't really gone anywhere from it. So yeah, and I still think highly of the guy in general. I still think he's capable. There's just something that's not clicking there. Yeah, I mean, he started ninth, finished ninth. I mean, he he went through. Did his race, but uh, didn't didn't do terribly and didn't do brilliantly. So that's uh, that's all I can say about that. But yeah, I mean, this was one of those races. There was a lot of drama early on. Some really good racing, some really good passing. You know, the Kurz cars, the non-Kurz cars, and all that. And then it was nap time. And then it was nap. I mean, it was really there was. I mean, the middle stint of the race. I mean, it was the, the Toyotas were slower because they were on the medium tires. Everyone else was gaining some time, but. Man, there was there was a long period of 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 not of of parade really going on where there was just yeah. not not much movement of of any consequence. Uh, just you know pit stops cycling through. Um, Rubens ju- ju- uh, shuffled the order around a little bit because he was on his three stop strategy, but you know it was really kind of a sleeper for a while there. It was uh, it was not a sleeper, however, for uh, Robert Kubica and Nick Heidfeld. They ended up finishing the race, uh, well, dead last if it weren't for Kaz Nakajima. Yeah, what a dreadful weekend for BMW. <laughs> you can't just – it's just, just pitiful. I mean, they were both a lap down, 18th and 19th. Nick Heidfeld had troubles with his wing at the beginning. Uh, Kubica spun in the middle of the race. 
uh, and uh, they were just both slow. But here's what I don't understand. The opening race in Australia, Kubica was racing for second, and BMW Sauber swear up and down that they could have won that race. But either way, he had second. I mean, well, he's racing. He had third. He was racing for second. Right. Right. In three flyaway races, they go from that result, and in the second race in Malaysia, Nick Heidfeld ended up finishing second in the rain. Yeah. So they go from those results in the first races to being dead last of the running cars in the fourth race, and these are flyaway races. Yeah, it's not like the, all the other teams are developing, you know, or, or, or it's not home to home races for the other teams and not for it's BMW. It's it's really really something. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Kubica says that he says he knew his race was destroyed after after turn one. Um, he was between Nick and another car. We touched it, we touched each other, and, and, and it destroyed his front wing. This is Kubica. Um, and then after the, after the crash, there was a miscommunication with the pit crew, um, and and he couldn't come in on that lap. So he had to, he had to go around another lap with a damaged car, and then do the pit stop. And it was so slow, and he got back. And then he was trying too hard to catch back up, and end up spinning. And every, I mean, it was just like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, um, from crashing to you know pit errors and, and everything else. It's just it's what a shame, you know. I, it's, for one of the four, you know, and they, these guys, I think we used to give them pretty much credit as best of the rest of you know last year, the non Ferrari, non McLaren. I mean, they were leading the constructors championship for a while. Yeah, absolutely, and they they were you know the reliable, if not always the fastest. They were always in the points and always doing a good job. And boy, that's I mean to finish you know the, the last two running cars, uh, that's that's terrible. Yeah, and I also I want to talk a little bit about Nelson Piquet. He was okay today. There you go. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving uh, on. The last thing uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, we actually caught a little bit of flack um, on our Facebook comments about uh, how poorly Sebastian Bourdais is doing. And I agree. He, he's not showing well against his rookie 20-year-old teammate, Sebastian Buemi. And, uh, and again, in qualifying, you know, he was out-qualified by Buemi. Uh, and it's it's a shame. And Bourdais knows it. He admits it. And he's basically claiming that a car that has a loose rear end is just not not something he's suited to, not something he's good to, good at. He likes an understeering car, I can only imagine. And he's having a really hard time with the balance of this year's car. And Buemi isn't. But the fact of the matter is, is that you're a four-time champ car champion. You're almost 30 years old if you're not 30 by now. You have to do better than this. It's the same thing. Remember when Rubens Barrichello was like, well, I'm learning how to left foot brake, and that's really hard. It's like, dude, it's been a year and a half. Yeah, I know. <laughs> brake with your left bloody foot. So It's like, figure it out, buddy. Come on. Bourdais, you know, you, you, were, out, you were outclassed by Vettel. Vettel is really turning into be one of those just special drivers. So you can be forgiven for, for that a little bit. But, dude, you have to you know, show what's what against Buemi or, or you're going to be out of a drive and we're not we're not going to be feeling sorry for you yeah I, I you know you and I both we talked about this we were really excited to see Bourdais come into F1 because it's sort of like you know hey we you, you guys in Europe may not know about this guy but man he's been doing amazing things over here in the U.S. and champ cars and and to win that many championships you know it really takes a lot you know more than just driving talent and Bourdais was uh you know he was former 3000 champion I mean he he learned how to race in Europe it's yeah. not like it's not like he uh, was racing sprint cars over here. Right. So, 
it's definitely been a disappointment. And every time we hear from Bourdais, it's kind of you know like like you know his interview today it was pretty much just like yeah it was a solid day's work. I mean he ended up thirteenth, not yeah. terrible, not points. Just yeah, I kinda... mean he he finished better than Bohemi. Yeah, but Bohemi was seventeenth. But yeah, and uh, to be honest with you, uh, to be fair to. Uh, our uh, home country racing. I think uh, sprint sprint cars might have been better training for Sebastian. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that's a shame. And uh, I, I I like him. I want him to do better. You have to understand. Uh, you for the people that didn't follow Champ Car, he he did really well in Champ Car and uh, had a lot of great battles. Good he, he like Michael Schumacher Champ Car in a, a way. Little bit. You know, I mean, not quite, but bit, four but yeah, championships. Yeah, he I mean, was that's very strong, and he was with he was with the best team, and he did really well. Yeah. So that's that. I okay. Suppose. So anyway, just to, to, to cap it off, um, I mean, Jensen Button, man, just he did it. This is a dry race. This was not him getting lucky with, with water and safety cars and everything and else. Anything. I mean, this was – he took took the checkered flag at speed and all that. So just brilliant job, Jensen. Um, you know, brilliant job, Braun GP, to, uh, to, to make that work. And uh, I think, you know, it's really kind of coming down to be – um, between Jensen and, and Vettel. I mean, right now Vettel is third behind Rubens Barrichello. He's only a point behind Barrichello in the standings. Uh, Jensen Button's got 31 points, and then Rubens 19, and uh, Vettel's got 18. Um, and Braun GP is just looking brilliant for this championship. I mean, they've got 50 points. They've had they've had a bunch of points finishes. Um, Red Bull, the nearest competitor, is 27.5 points. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Toyota's got 26.5 points. So. Yep. Braun has already got just a brilliant start to the season. Absolutely. Um, like you mentioned, Ferrari's finally got their first points of the season. They've got a whopping three points today. Yay. So, uh, you know, that's championship-wise, they're, they're just looking great. And uh, we'll have to see going forward. But, um, you know, Jensen has shown that it doesn't take uh, tricky luck uh, with safety cars and rain to, to win. Uh, he, you know, on a totally dry, hot track, uh, they can do well. If they're not so, when it's dominant, but do really well. So the real fascinating thing is going to be, can Braun GP develop the car? As well as the others. As yeah. well as they, you know, built it. And, you know, the whole, this whole diffuser nonsense, uh, it'll be interesting to see as other teams get diffusers on the car, get that sorted out. You know, how much does that hurt Braun GP? It's going to be really fascinating. Yes. And, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Um, by the way, uh, Ferrari, with its three points, puts them ninth. In the constructors' championship, yes, they're ahead of Force India. Though that was that was one of their big milestones for the season was to if they could get ahead of Force India, they they figured that's a success. So anything after this is gravy. Force India, if you think about, that's the force of over a billion people. That's 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 a lot of force. That's true. That's a lot of force. That's That's a lot of basmati rice. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, um, we've got a lot to uh, to cover for uh, listener feedback this time. Fantastic. Let's get into it. Well, uh, we got a lot of comments on Facebook, which is fantastic. Yes, we've got we've got over 250 people there now. Um, 252. We've so it's a it's a great community going. Um, we've got some emails. We've got some comments. Um, actually, I wanted to um, uh, on an old note. Um, actually, this uh, this guy AJ uh, emailed in. Um, this was a couple weeks ago. This was this was before um, China, and you know, just sent us an email, and I, I totally forgot to mention it. So. Um, He's, yeah, he was just saying um, he thinks it'll either be Fernando or Yarno Truly in uh, in China. Um, that's that, you know neither of those ended up working out. Nope. But uh, as a side note, he uh, he thinks the U.S. Grand Prix should be held at Watkins Glen or Infineon. Well, Infineon would be a good choice. Infineon think, is a brilliant track. Yeah, that's think, really cool. I think Watkins Glen is a, would need to be updated uh, pretty badly. I you know I'd still go for well. There's there's 
all all of our tracks would probably need some. I mean, the the difference between the tracks in Europe and the tracks we've got. I think some of the layouts are fantastic here, but we don't have the elaborate garage setups you guys have. We don't have the same level of professionalism that you guys have. So anyone the media be, centers and right, the whole paddock clubs and all that stuff. So well, that's not true. Any of our road courses don't have any of that. Right. <laughs> um, uh, we. Um, I would love to see v- VIR, Virginia International Raceway. Uh, Laguna Seca would be fantastic. Um, uh, Road America, it's, it's, it's an oldie but a goodie. I mean, yeah. Road America is actually the oldest uh, proper road course in the United States. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's a track that I've actually raced at a few times myself, had a lot of success. And it's just an absolutely fantastic place. I, I have a... I have really high regard. It's right in the it's right in the middle of the Wisconsin woods, and it's it's really beautiful. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of great road courses here in the states. Uh, it would be nice to see it done at a proper road course. So yeah, Laguna Seca is is, is also one of the, sort of a classic. Um, and I don't know about the facilities there. I've never actually been there. You've raced there, haven't you? No, no, I've never been. I've never been to Laguna Seca. Oh man, believe me, I thought you had. Yeah, there. I've been I've been on track at uh, Infinia, not in racing, but. Um, been out there, and uh, yeah, I mean the carousel. There's a what 600 feet of elevation change and everything. I mean it's a really cool track. It's Infineon one of the, is very yeah, cool. Yeah, Infineon slash Sears Point, whatever. Yeah, but uh, and the funny thing is the uh, NASCAR does race there. Yeah. So they do the short track though, and I'm just, I can only imagine Formula One would do the full course. Yeah, and actually um, ALMS has raced there. I don't know if it's on the current season or what, but uh, um, you know they've done ALMS cars, they've done IndyCar there, and NASCAR. I mean they've got a couple different configurations that, uh, and the NASCAR guys cut out the most interesting part of the track. I mean the uh, you know the stock yeah. cars cut out this cool ho- whole carousel and all that, and they kind of just square off part of the back track. But right. either well, way, we digress. Yes, we digress. The uh, the pick was actually Fernando Alonso or truly for F1 champ. So we can't say that that hasn't worked out oh, yet. Okay, fair um, that was not fair for enough. for a result. That was actually for overall championship. Okay, um, uh, on the Facebook page we got tons of. Uh, podcasts, thank yous, and all that kind of stuff, which we absolutely love. Thank you so much. And uh, a lot of predictions for who'd win the race. Uh, and some of them were right. Congratulations on those who were. Um, <clears throat> uh, but we also, Jim, got, uh, we, we said, hey, we're going to set up a Wikipedia style fact checking here. We want the fans to participate and give us. Uh, let us know when we've made a mistake, and we'll look into it and, and, and make sure that uh, we're being factually correct as, as, as best as we can. And we did get um, a comment from George Duffy, who uh, said that we got something wrong. However, George, uh, the English is a bit broken for us, and we're not exactly sure what you're talking about. Yes, um from his comment, they said to comment if got anything wrong, and and they did small, though it weren't Red Bull that had the rear diffuser. It was Renault Duff, sir. that had it two years ago. Not Red Bull, but great show, really funny, as near as I can translate. And uh, we were actually talking about not um, two years ago, not a different diffuser from years past, but this was actually having um, a diffuser this season um, that that uh, you know that that Red that Renault. Um, had you know an interim diffuser, right? So um, the, and, the, so and the you know, so I think we were kind of talking about different things there. I'm not sure right, based so on the, his the, comment if we're talking about the, the same breakdown thing. was that the original three teams that have the trick diffuser that's caused all this controversy were Braun GP, Williams Toyota, and Toyota. Yes. And once it was proved legal that you could have this trick diffuser, 
two teams immediately came out with what we're calling an interim diffuser. And that was McLaren and Renault. McLaren and Renault. And I think what we may be talking about here was actually when Red Bull, at the beginning of the season, went to the FIA and said, hey, can we build this diffuser? And the FIA said no. Um, you may be referring to that. So, so yeah. So, if, if... Who knows? If Yeah. So, if we've gotten your comment wrong, George, let us know. Try to be a little bit more careful on the English, and we will do what we can to uh, correct it. Okay. Um, also, actually, um, another email from AJ, from the same guy making predictions before, um, had, had predictions for Bahrain, and he's, he's one for three on this. He predicted Fernando Alonso on pole, which was not the case. Um, fastest lap to Yarno Truly, which was the case. Good job, AJ, on, on the prediction there. Yarno Truly, fastest lap. Imagine that. Um, and winner, Sebastian Bourdais. Um, that, that's mm. not a terribly realistic mm. prediction. Um, and then, yes. and as as another note, as a scary fact, he says, if he wants the top um, for USGPE, if they want the top American drivers, the top two Americans in the IRL points last year were Danica Patrick and Marco Andretti. I'm sorry. So well, yeah, but they were about the only two Americans in yeah, the IRL. Yeah. So that, that, that's so you know they're they're good for PR but and everything, I, but, but but for you honestly, know honestly that is that is there's a lot of talent in the ALMS. And there's a lot of talent in the uh, in those. Uh, yeah, in but not all, not, not all Americans there's, there's, though. You know, there's, there's Atlantics, there's Star Mazda, there's some lower ranks Formula cars. And I'm telling you, the top talent in NASCAR, those guys are phenomenally good. Yeah. It's a completely different style of racing. But you know, you take the top guys from that sport, you give them time to get used to the Formula One car. I guarantee you, they could be competitive. Yeah. That's that's where you need to look. And that's why I said, I mean, always being serious. Those a lot of the top. You know, Jimmy Johnson, he's a three-time sprint car champion now. He, he came from sprint cars. Jeff Gordon, whom I think most of the world knows who he is, Jeff Gordon came from sprint cars. And, uh, you know, it's those guys are really good. And back in the day, in the, the 60s, 70s, 80s, all the top sprint car guys went to IndyCar. Yeah. That was the series to go to. That's where Michael Andretti was and, uh, you know, well, Mario Andretti, your, your guys, Nigel Mansell. He raced in in, in in IndyCar, and that that was a place to go. Uh, it, it was recently not to mention Mario Andretti doing you know Formula One and IndyCars and and you know stock cars yeah. and saying all three were challenging and they were different, but all all three were totally worthwhile and challenging and interesting. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, you know absolutely. In the, in the guys like Ari Leyendijk, you had um, uh, oh god, now the name slipping from me. Emerson Fittipaldi raced yeah. in Champ Car uh, IndyCar. It, it, and then what happened was, uh, here we go digressing again, IndyCar and Champ Car split. Tony George, the owner of the uh, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, designed his own thing called uh, Indy Racing League. Mostly, that, mostly oval tracks, a uh, couple of road course. But and the whole yeah. thing split up. And NASCAR uh, capitalized on that, and NASCAR then became the big, great American uh, motorsports racing that it is. But that only happened 15 years ago. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. We've digressed. We've digressed quite a bit. Okay. Anyway, one, but, uh, okay. Go ahead. One last email um, was from beautiful and sunny Valencia, Spain, uh, which is cool having uh, you know a, a listener not from Australia or England, but uh, you know from Spain. That's well, great. We love all our listeners from Australia and England. We love our listeners from everywhere. Um, and uh, it has, you know, I've listened to the last podcast, and uh, with, with Ferrari, uh, she thinks the problem is – and Carmen, I'm assuming it's a woman. Uh, sorry if, uh, if, if, it's, if you're not um, – is, uh, you know, the, the problem that's hurting Ferrari is their philosophy. Um, you know, the two top teams are having a heck of a time, but their behavior is completely different. While McLaren celebrates the chance to make it into Q3 and finish fifth and sixth, Ferrari keeps saying they may abandon their work on the F60 and focus on next year. Um, you know, just 
what the heck, you know, they should keep working and be positive and uh, just kind of a different philosophy. I don't think it's a matter of, uh, of Italians taking control of the team. It's that they, it seems they can't face the truth. Yes. And yes. Uh, also answer the trivia question, but we'll, we'll get to that later on. Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to say, uh, uh, Jim, we, Jim and I both thank everyone for the uh, large amounts of support and also in, in thinking Piquet has to go. Uh, we are not alone. Yeah, what a plonker, Nelson Piquet. Ah, uh, yeah. So I want to... Um, also, you know, so on the Facebook page, uh, Sean Wilkinson um, had some some good comments. Definitely, you know, lose PK as soon as possible. Uh, Tiago Mireles, um, uh, I'm guessing there, uh, was a Brazilian really worried about Ferrari's performance, and uh, you know, just you know, just wants to see, you know, is excited about the new season. Really, just how everything is shaken up. Um, Daniel Jewell, um, you know, had had some predictions and saying, you know, that the past past winners of the of Bahrain are Massa and Alonso and Schumacher. Obviously, it's not going to be Schumacher, um, and neither you know Alonso or Massa seem seem likely. Uh, had some predictions there. Um, Quinn Richards had the uh, had a comment about the audio, and hopefully we have that fixed for you this time. I, I do think that was an error on my part in the audio, and. Um, and hey, Martin Drury was uh, was hanging on to being he was the 250th fan. So um, I wish we could send you a prize or something sweet for being the 250th fan. No, but absolutely. You, you, you easy, get you, you get your name on the show. Prize. You go to you go to your nearest convenience store and you buy yourself a Coke. And congratulations. Abs- absolutely, that Coke <laughs> is on us. You just have to buy. Yes. So uh, yeah, thanks again, everybody, and uh, we uh, we absolutely love it. Keep it up. Yes, and Emily Hansen again, Carlos Oru. Alfred Sa- Alfredo Santos. But oh yeah, I you know I think Carlos Aru. I, I think you've got an interesting topic going on here. Who's going to be in Ferrari next year? I I, I don't. Yeah, because Raikkonen's contract ends uh, ends at the end of this year, doesn't and it? And I would not be surprised if he was out. Yeah, he really wouldn't be. You think Alonso would uh, would take it? I mean, I guess I don't know if there's any reason to him for him now. He it was all switching around, but there was there was a lot of talk of that uh, last season of Alonso going to Ferrari. Well, I mean, uh, Carlos wants to see Mark Webber in the car. I don't think that will happen. But, no. But uh, I think uh, I, I think that's an interesting question. So, yeah, let's let's uh, open that up a little bit. Wh- who do you guys think should be in the Ferrari next year? Frankly, uh-huh. I don't think Massa needs to be in that car either. I, I you know, I've never liked Massa as much. Yeah. And uh, Venom. Sebastian Vettel and and, Mark, and, 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 uh, and oh, Vettel Alonso. and Weber, <laughs> Vettel and Weber, they both just switch over. That'd be great. <clears throat> okay, anyway. and so yeah, we can, we talk about that a little more later on. Um, and you know, thanks again for the. Uh, but for now, it is time to move on. Also, James Payne, thanks for the uh, for the for the note. So it is now time for trivia. 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 Last week, we had a. What I thought a very interesting question, and it turns out what we have is a very, very interesting answer. So the question was, for those who missed it, uh, Sebastian Vettel was, last year became the youngest driver ever to win a Formula One race. At uh, he was just over the age of twenty-one. It was like twenty-one in a month. Before it was Vettel, it was Fernando Alonso, uh, who was uh, twenty-two in and in a, in a, in fifteen minutes or something. He was just <laughs> over twenty-two. But who, before Fernando Alonso, was the youngest driver ever to win a Formula One race? Now, Jim and I did our usual exhaustive research. And it kind of hinged on what the definition of is is. Yes. So the answer that we had uh, was Bruce McLaren. And how old was he when he won a Grand Prix? He was 22 years old and 80 days 
and he won the 1959 United, United States Grand Prix, which was at Sebring International Raceway. Yes. Another great racetrack, by the way, but completely unsuitable for a modern Formula One car. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> however... And that was a Grand Prix. That, that was, was a U- Grand Prix. That was a U.S. Grand Prix. So he is actually technically the youngest Grand Prix winner. However, that wasn't the question. It wasn't the youngest Grand Prix. The question was Formula One race. Right. However, we got an email from uh, Sean Wilkinson who said the answer was Troy Rutman, who at the age of 22 years and 80 days won the 1952 Indianapolis 500. He also says he's drinking his Coke already as he types, so he's pretty sure he's got that one. He's pretty sure he's confident he's got it. Well, it's a tie. And here's the thing. The, the 1952 Indianapolis 500 was part of the Formula One World Championship 1952. It was a points-paying race. Yes. And he won it, and he was only 22 years old in 80 days. So the same exact age to the day. To the day as Bruce McLaren, who won the 1959 United States Grand Prix. So if we'd asked the youngest Grand Prix winner, that would have been Bruce McLaren. But since we said Formula One race, which is a race accounting for points in the Formula One championship. It's both of them. It's both of them. Now, the interesting thing is if you look on the Wikipedia pages and some of the other sites, both claim to be the youngest uh, Formula One winner. uh, uh, both claim to be the youngest Formula One winner until Fernando Alonso. Yeah. So uh, it's it's interesting. Maybe Troy was born. You know, maybe he was twenty or two years, eighty days, and five hours, and Bruce McLaren was twenty years, eighty days, and seven hours. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really go down to that much detail. But yeah. either way, that's uh, an interesting little little stat we uncovered there with the, uh, the, the youngest age there and the Grand Prix winner versus Formula One race winner. Yeah. So Sean, thank you very much. I mean, we we found we found uh, Bruce McLaren and we were done. And that's actually. To be to- totally honest, I'm not trying to toot my own here. I actually knew that one, and I was just looking it up to confirm. But yeah. I guess I didn't know everything. So. Also, Carmen from Spain um, guessed Bruce McLaren. So uh, we kind of came. We had we had responses both ways there, and uh, everyone wins on that one. However, like Barack Obama, we want to move forward, not backwards. So we have a new trivia question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, hit me, Jensen Button. First entered Formula One for the 2000 season driving for the Williams F1 team. Okay. To get that seat, he competed against one other driver, and he won it. Who was that driver that he, com- that he competed for the 2000 Williams seat for? And I have a hint, and this is a real hint this time. Okay. The driver that lost the seat to Jensen Button went on to have a successful career racing in the United States. There you go. Okay. So, who was the driver that lost to Jensen Button for the 2000 Williams Formula One seat? There's your question. Not a three-parter. One-parter. That's a one-parter. One That's true. Had a successful career in the United States. Real quick, though, on the 1952 Indianapolis 500, can oh, I Oh, ju- we're looking backwards. No, can I just say, Alberto Ascari and the Ferrari um, failed to finish the race due to wheel. Well, yeah. You need those. <laughs> a little more information on that would have been great. Because some of these, it's like, okay, exhaust failure, accident, whatever. He's just wheel. Yeah, well, like, you know. Evidently lost one or one failed or I don't know. Could be the steering one. That would be bad, too. No, steering, that's a different category. This is just wheel. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, that's bad. Anyway, so we've given you the trivia. We want you to pine over that. Think about it. You know, Use your knowledge. Dig deep to see if you can figure out who lost that seat, and, and one seat. But in the meantime... To report your answer to us, 
Email feedback at f1show.com or, or go to facebook.f1show.com or, you know, carrier pigeon, tweet, <laughs> Twitter, tweet. Any of these things yep. will be great. Yep. And, um, yeah, and we'll, we'll uh, just like this week, we'll let, let, let the world know who, uh, who got that right. So uh, aside from that, we are going to move forward once again with our predictions. Predictions. Okay. Okay, so last week, uh, Jim went the very safe route for the Bahrain Grand Prix. He, he, he went for Jensen Button on pole and Jensen Button to win. I, however, was bold, and I went for Button on pole but Lewis Hamilton to win. And, uh, Jim, I'm chuffed I owe bits. you a Coke, what man. Can I, what can I say? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm down to owing you three Cokes instead of four now. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, that was it. Was Jensen Button for the win? He did not get pole. I think we were both surprised by the Toyota one too, and uh, and uh, but but Button did pull it out for the win. I have to say though, I have to give myself a little bit of credit here. Hamilton did quite well this race. He did. I threw myself out on a limb, and he delivered some. Yeah, this was it was a little better than predicting Sebastian Bourdais to win. Yeah. I would say. Yes. Yes. So, uh, but the proof is in the pudding, and the pudding was Jensen Button. So there you have. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, moving on, and we, also we we do like uh, the predictions that um, that other fans have sent into the Facebook page and everything oh, yeah. else. We definitely appreciate the other uh, the other ones. Uh, like we mentioned, um, AJ got uh, Yono truly as fastest lap correct. So you can predict whatever you want. Who's going to be first? Who's going to be last? Who's going to crash? Yeah. Fastest lap, qualifying results, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Who, we dig who's it. Who's most likely to eat cake? Who's most likely to be seen in the pit? Um, you know, watch uh, eating a ice cream and a coke. Right. You know, whatever. Who's most likely to date Cameron Diaz? Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Okay, Anything. moving forward, not backward. Yes. Four. The next race is Spain. Cata- Spain. Yeah, yeah Bar- the Barcelona circuit or Catalonia, I guess it's called both. Um, the the, it, the it's test a not, track. It's a non-flyaway race. A lot of teams test here. It's going to be local. There's going to be a lot of upgrades from a lot of different teams. Who do you think there's, is going to do well? Well, this is tough because there's going to be a lot of new bits on the cars. Everyone has all oh, these brand new parts that are going to make the cars go faster. And, oh, this is going to fix the car and this is going to fix that. We're going to see a lot more cars... With the cool diffuser on it now. How much is that going to help people and hurt people? I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, a lot of people have been complaining about rear-end grip, and this will help that. Yeah. Makes it tough. And what I do you think? don't think it's going to go Braun GP's way. I don't. Okay, so for qualifying pole position, who do you think? I think I am... Going for youth over experience, and I'm putting Sebastian Vettel on the pole and taking the win in Catalonia. Already Vettel all the way, spunky Sebastian. He's gonna punch someone in the face. He's gonna have a jolly old laugh, and on he's the, gonna on laugh the, about it because he's gonna win the race. Vettel. Okay, see, I, I I originally had Vettel for the for the race win. Actually, I was thinking Button on the pole, but that Vettel um, with uh, the you know the upgrades to the Red Bulls and all that would actually take it during the race. They've had just really good race pace, really good strategy, good calls from t- Christian Horner and the team. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to make the same prediction as you for the win though, because then that's kind of lame. You know, if he does win, then it's like, <laughs> oh, we both win. But um, I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah, Jensen Button. I mean, they still a lot of speed. I think they they will be doing a good job developing the car. Um, and and I think you know a lot of times we've we've hoped for big things from these upgrades, and and in most cases, it just um, doesn't happen. Either everyone upgrades about the same amount, or you know the differences aren't as big as as they're made out to be in practice. So. Uh, 
you know, I don't expect drastic changes in the leaderboard. Um, I mean, it's possible that, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I, I would predict that BMW wouldn't be, be dead last. Um, <laughs> hopefully they'll be better. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll get some points. Um, I doubt that Heike Kovalainen is immediately going to just turn around and be a brilliant driver again. Or I, I don't know. So um, I guess, you know what, I'll stick with stick with what I originally thought of. I, I think Jensen Button on Braun on the pole. And um, win. But uh, that Vettel actually ends up taking it. All right. Well, there you have it. All right, so we've got a two-week break now, or a week off, and we're back in two weeks from Spain. Um, we'll, as always, we'll uh, apprise you of all the, all the news and everything that happens in between now and then. And in the meantime, we'll be uh, sharing information and going back and forth on the blog and the Facebook. So uh, it's always great to hear from you guys. Thanks for all your support, and thanks for listening. I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner telling you you should get a performance box because the F1 show is supported by the performance box. A GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. I have to do it fast. Jim's going to cut me off. Perfect for any car not to use at track days, autocrosses, or to simply see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. I'm Robin Warner. See ya.